the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. You can also find the book, Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas That You Need Answers For, at that website, r4h.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, on the broadcast today, a repeat edition with Brittany Rust discussing Christmas from a biblical worldview. It'll be a great broadcast that you won't want to miss out, and a very Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for tuning in to The Plum Line. You can reach me at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. This is The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. And on this Christmas edition, bringing a little Christmas spirit to our uh, musical selections here on the Plum Line. And my guest is going to talk about Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas from a biblical worldview. Brittany Rust is her name, and Brittany's an author and Bible teacher. And uh, welcome to the broadcast, Brittany. Hi, Jay. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to visit with you. I want to start with maybe the question that some of us may ask, and that is just why we even celebrate Christmas. There's kind of a whole umbrella of issues surrounding that question, I guess, and that some say, you know, Jesus wasn't truly born at this time of the year. There's that debate, and then there's those who don't think we Mm -hmm. should celebrate Christmas because maybe there's some quote-unquote pagan roots or something to it. There's a lot of issues surrounding that question, but I believe there's value in celebrating Christmas, and so I wanted to get that Mm -hmm. from you. Why do we celebrate Christmas? (laughs) Sure. Well, you know, you're right. There's a lot of debate. When was Jesus born? Some say the spring. There is still thought that he was born around December. And so, you know, we could go back and forth on the details, and then we're really missing the heart of it, which is to celebrate Christ, his birth. And why that's so important is because without him coming to earth, taking on flesh, being born on the earth to live among us, if he hadn't have done that, then he wouldn't have been fully man. And therefore, the, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf 
we wouldn't have that. And so it all goes back to, you know, as Christians, our whole faith hinges on Christ died and rose again, right? And so we are grateful for that and we celebrate that and that's beautiful and we should, but we also come back to, well, if he hadn't even inserted himself into humanity in the first place, then we wouldn't have that sacrifice. And so we celebrate his birth because, I mean, it's so much more than a baby being born. It's God inserting himself into humanity, taking on flesh, and being born in the lowliest of situations. And so when we look at Christmas, it's an opportunity for us to truly celebrate Christ coming to earth. That's a big part, you know, Advent. It's about coming. It's the big, the big part of Christmas is celebrating his coming to earth over 2,000 years ago. And, you know, I know some people, like you mentioned, might, you know, it's a pagan holiday. You know, you can make anything a thing of this world, right? We live in this world, but that comes back to what are your intentions with Christmas? If you are making it about the presents and the parties and the things, it's become an idol. And certainly that's not how we should approach Christmas. We approach Christmas with this heart of worship. And if you're approaching something with a posture of worship to glorify God, That's a good thing. And that's how we approach Christmas is with this heart posture of worship and gratitude. And thank you, God, for what you did. And in my opinion, if you have that kind of heart, how could that be a bad thing, right? Hmm, Right. You know, if we want to amplify just the awe and the wonder of the season, I was thinking how we cannot in our minds possibly fathom the creator coming down Mm -hmm. in the form of a baby, leaving his throne and glory in essence, as the scriptures talk about it, and coming to this earth that he created, a sinful place that we broke and we sinned, and yet he came here to redeem us. And to try to wrap Mm -hmm. your minds around that, thinking about uh, just how significant that is, is is impossible, really. (laughs) Sure. I mean, Philippians tells us that he made himself nothing by taking on the position of being made in human likeness. And he didn't have to do that. He was sitting on the throne in heaven with all authority, and then he submits himself to be born, but not even that, just even the circumstances that he was born in and how he chose to live out his earthly life in the world. That is humbling. Like We would not subject ourselves to that kind of life, would we? And so yet that's the very nature that God took on so that he could take our place on the cross. Mm, yeah, amen. I'm going to look a bit into um, this crosswalk.com piece that I found and that you wrote, I think, a couple years back, so I'll have to test your memory on it here. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so and, uh, one of the first scriptures I want to pull in is the reality that the Old Testament writers and, and prophets, people like Isaiah, who wrote these verses in Isaiah chapter 9 that I'm going to read in a second here, they didn't even fully grasp or understand. I talked about how we can't, and, and they didn't either, but they wrote things inspired by God like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You uh, quoted that from Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And 
and then shared in essence this reality that mankind knew that they were waiting for something, the promised Messiah, Mm -hmm. but yet none of them grasped just how it would take place, I don't think. Sure. I mean, in the time of Isaiah, I mean, look at the awe of, man, we cannot wait for this moment when God comes to save us. Certainly, they probably never would have imagined that Jesus would come the way that he did, right? Many assumed he would come and establish the throne on earth and rule and reign, but he came in a very different way than many thought that he would. But just the awe in that passage of Isaiah 9, like he is this incredible counselor and the peace and just the security that Isaiah felt when he wrote this, this was anticipation. They were anticipating Christ. So when Jesus came, it was a fulfillment of not just this prophecy, but so many prophecies in the Old Testament. Um, when you look at over and over again, Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies, just securing, you know, that he is God. And so I love that passage. It's one of my favorite when you look at just Christmas time, right? Remembering that there was this anticipation for Jesus to come. And yet now we get around the other side of that. We get to celebrate what they were longing for. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love the fact, as you said, that Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies and, you know, there are many prophecies yet to be fulfilled and we can have assurance that those will be fulfilled as well because of the ones he's already fulfilled. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the heart of Advent, right? Where, you know, I don't know if, you know, many people may not know really what Advent is. I didn't know for a long time. It's something that I've only in the last maybe three or four years I've been doing with my family, but that's what Advent is. You know, on the first half year, Advent means coming in. And in the first half, you're remembering the coming of Christ over 2000 years ago. But then you start focusing on the coming that there's another coming and we celebrate that too. Mm, Yeah, amen. There is another coming indeed. We're assured of that. More prophecy uh, points to that, and so, amen, that is Mm -hmm. exciting. Well, we'll uh, talk uh, more about this here, and I want to bring up the fact that there are other aspects of this, like the Philippians verses that you kind of uh, referred to. I want to pull those into the picture as well, so we'll do that in an upcoming segment here. I also want to share the fact that, uh, you know, even uh, down to the uh, birthplace where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that was prophesied about. And so there are just so many Christmas prophecies, we could say, that he fulfilled when he came. And so we'll talk about uh, lots of other aspects. I also want to discuss kind of how we should celebrate Christmas. We're establishing that we should celebrate it. I believe we are anyway. And we'll talk a little bit about how to celebrate it in a manner that really exalts Jesus Christ and puts the importance and preeminence upon him. So stick around here on the Plumb Line. My name is Jay Rudolph. My guest for this edition is Brittany Rust, and I'm sharing some sounds of Christmas as well as we broadcast uh, the plumb line here and if you want to reach out and contact me you can do so via email it is the plumb line radio at gmail.com and plum is spelled with a B at the end of it P-L-U-M-B so the plumb line radio at gmail.com I'd love to hear from you Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Bat at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. 
That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at IntegrityCounselingGroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. You're tuned in to this Christmas edition of The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm joined by Brittany Rust, author and Bible teacher, and we're discussing Christmas itself from a biblical worldview. And uh, obviously there's quite the biblical worldview to Christmas because without it, well, there wouldn't uh, really be a biblical worldview. It's the reality that Jesus, the Word of God, came down, came as a baby, and uh, took on flesh. And though he, uh, you know, was a man, he also was a sinless, perfect man, the only one to ever live a sinless, perfect life. And he went to the cross on our behalf, and that whole gospel message is what gives us the biblical view that we hold. And so we're going to talk about that more. We're going to bring in some additional scriptures here as we continue. And Brittany, I want to kind of continue through the vein of uh, what you have in this uh, column that you wrote for Crosswalk.com. And uh, we started sharing about verses in Philippians and how those really stir an additional level of awe and wonder. And so I'm going to go ahead and read these because um, there are such fantastic verses in Philippians Mm -hmm. chapter 2. So let me read those and then we'll talk more about it. It says, uh, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, that's from Philippians chapter 2. And, you know, each and every broadcast of the plumb line, I try to get a clear presentation of the gospel through. It's kind of right there in mm. Philippians chapter 2. Yeah. But let's go there right now, Brittany. You have a little subtitle. I don't know if you wrote these subtitles or if Crosswalk people did, but it says Celebrating Christmas and Salvation in Jesus. And that's what it's all about. So tell us just what you mean. What's salvation in Jesus? So, I mean, like you mentioned, Philippians 2, it's such a beautiful and clear presentation of the gospel that as humans, we are born with that sin nature. And there is not a single thing that we could do to make ourselves right before God. You could work your whole life and you could still not pay your debt because our debt, each and every one of us, no matter how good we are, we can never pay the debt that we have because of sin. And so when you think about, man, there is nothing that we could do to make right the wrongs that we have done. That's a sobering thought. And yet God provided himself as the perfect sacrifice. When you think about that, it's not like God took something to make that sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for us 
and he didn't have to do that, but it's something that he, he wanted to do because he knew that was the only way that we could be made right with them was through that perfect sacrifice. And so God sent his only son to come to earth, to take on that human likeness, to take on that nature of a servant. And he humbled himself to become obedient to death because of that perfect sacrifice. As you mentioned, Jesus lived a perfect life. No one else has ever been able to do that. I mean, not in thought, not in word, and certainly not in deed. Yet Jesus did. And because he did, he was that perfect sacrifice. He paid the debt that we can never pay for ourselves. And so now he's exalted. He's sitting at the right hand of God and he's interceding on our behalf. And so, you know, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating his birth because that birth led to his sacrifice. And so we can remember that Christmas really is a celebration of the salvation that Jesus brought. Amen. And that is something to celebrate, no doubt about it. Mm. So in John chapter 1, the Apostle John wrote, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when I read that, I I think about the scene and picture of the very first Christmas when Jesus was born. And that's what it was all about, glory. You know, the the angels, you think of the heavenly chorus there, and Mm. um, the shepherds witnessing that and viewing that, and how motivated they were to go and spread the good news because of what they had Mm -hmm. seen. So it's really all about glory of God, isn't it? Amen. Yes, it really is. Just the awe of the shepherds and the angels, it's this um, beautiful scene of, God inserting himself into humanity in the most humble circumstances, but there was so much awe and worship around that, as can be expected. I think that's a large part of the reason, too, as we get into the modern celebration of Christmas, of many of the things that we do. I think of the bright lights that we see at Christmas time, how houses and the Christmas tree are lit up. And, um, you know, typically what we put at the top of uh, the tree is maybe an angel or a star or something. It's like all of these mm-hmm. things that relate to our current ways of celebrating Christmas came right out of that initial celebration in many ways, didn't they? Yeah, it did. It's the reflection of that time. And so, you know, there's definitely elements throughout Christmas and maybe, you know, a lot of people aren't even aware of the representation of the star or some of those elements, but it is an act of even just worship incorporating those elements into the season. It's a reminder, you know, whether people know it or not. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'll get into that a little bit more. The next segment, I think we'll tackle a little bit more about just some of the ways that we celebrate and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I was also looking here at some of your Advent blogs that you have posted too, and mm-hmm. people can find these. I should mention your website, BrittanyRust.com, and I found some of these Advent blogs just fascinating here. I wanted to kind of dig in a bit to the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, which came out of those verses in Isaiah chapter 9 that I read earlier in the mm-hmm. broadcast. But you have just kind of short little pithy statements there, and yet they have a lot of breadth and depth to them. So maybe you can talk a little bit about those four attributes of this Messiah who was prophesied about by Isaiah. Right. So when Isaiah wrote about the coming Savior, he he did, he mentioned those four things, the first being a wonderful counselor. This is being intimately aware of the workings of God. It's the wisdom of God. And so when he's talking about that, he's talking about Jesus is going to be intimately aware of both God's work and every human's heart and be able to counsel to that place. 
taking the wisdom of God and speaking it to mankind. And so when you think about this counselor that you can just trust and be intimate and vulnerable with, that's who we have in Christ. The second is Jesus would be to his people, a mighty God. So not only would he be a man, but he would be fully God, able to save us from our sins. And the beautiful mystery of Christ is that he was both fully man and fully God. And the third being that he would be to his people an everlasting father. He is the author of life. And we know that when the earth was created, Jesus was there. He was the word. He is the author of life. He is the designer of the universe. So he is this everlasting father. And so to know Jesus is to know the father. Mm-hmm. And then last, that Jesus would be the prince of peace, establishing peace not just on earth, but in our hearts, right? He is the Prince of Peace. He's he's this carrier of perfect peace. And just so even just being with him, being in his presence, it brings this peace beyond all understanding that, you know, defies what our minds and our hearts are experiencing in that moment. It just transcends that. And he gives us peace in our hearts. Also, as we know, he's going to bring ultimate peace on the earth one day. Mm, yes, indeed. Well, and a lot of these things referenced in the Isaiah 9 passages are related to a, a ruler who would come. And so, you know, as you look at these, you can kind of see how the Israelites would anticipate someone who would come and overthrow the Romans and, yeah. and the sort, but they just weren't really grasping exactly what was being said because this government yeah. that he will establish is way beyond any human government. Yeah, right? true. And that's something that we today still have to look forward to. Uh, That's the hope that we have in Christ, that he's going to one day come and establish his throne and his reign on the earth. Yeah, that's the hope that we have. He didn't come the way that they thought that he would. And even when he was doing ministry, people would kind of reference that, like, well, you know, they anticipated him to overthrow their oppressors, and Jesus never did that. His plan was much different than our own. Mm, which is so true of God. Uh, if it were our own, then his ways and his plans, you know, would not be higher than ours, but we know that they are. So, <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, in Isaiah chapter 7, too, a verse that uh, refers to a child born of a virgin would be named Emmanuel, God with us. And so that's just another of those quote unquote Christmas verses that I wanted to make sure we got in there. I talked about the scripture that said he would be born in Bethlehem, too. And uh, mm-hmm. several others. You know, it, it is so interesting that Jesus did fulfill so many Old Testament prophecies, like in Micah, when it talks about being born in Bethlehem. And, you know, there was other prophecies that he would be a Nazarene. And so he grew up in Nazareth. And then some of my favorite Christmas verses go back to even just the account of being born when he did, you know, and the account of Mary and Joseph and their whole journey. Mm, yeah. I'll tell you what, let me uh, go ahead and read from Luke chapter 2, because I think a lot of us, especially those who go to churches where these passages are typically read, sometimes by the children as part of the Christmas program, and um, I think most Christmas programs have Luke 2 or Matthew 1 or, you know, those verses in them at some point. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and read Luke chapter 2. 
It says, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. That's the picture we made uh, just a little bit ago. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their Mm -hmm. flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And let me just say that those words, I hope that they impact everyone afresh each Mm -hmm. Christmas because, you know, we can get so accustomed to that story. So I just hope there's a freshness and newness and a a renewed joy in us when we think uh, on these Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, amen. Mm. Those scriptures were from Luke chapter 2. If you want to read those for yourself, uh, my guest is Brittany Rust, and we're having a great time talking about Christmas and celebrating Mm -hmm. Christmas. And we'll continue to get our hearts and minds prepared for this celebration as we uh, discuss this matter a little bit more. So tune to the plumb line for the next segment when we dig into uh, just our celebration of Christmas and how we keep Christ at the center of that. The uh, email address is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. This is a listener-supported ministry, and so I'd appreciate uh, you emailing me, and I can share with you how you can support. It is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.